Have you ever wondered what it takes to shepherd big change processes in your NGO? And you sense you have actually very limited control over the people, power, and psychology of it all? I'm excited to talk today with Monica Maassen of Oxfam International, who's done this for years. This is Tosca Bruno van Vijfeiken, and I'm the host of the brand new podcast, NGO Soul and Strategy. Hello, and welcome to NGO Soul and Strategy, the podcast for NGO leaders and managers who look change right in the eye. My name is Tosca Bruno van Vijfeiken, and I'm the founder and principal consultant at Five Oaks Consulting. I have over three decades of experience helping leaders in civil society and philanthropic organizations manage change, invest in cutting-edge leadership development, lead organizational culture change, and strengthen organizational effectiveness. If you are in an international civil society leadership position or are aspiring to grow towards that, this podcast is for you. So, as part of our uh, kickoff series uh, in our podcast, this series will be on change management in the INGO sector. Today, uh, I will be interviewing Monica Maassen. She is currently the head of change management, learning, and change communications at Oxfam International. In a separate podcast episode, which, or actually a series, which I plan uh, for later on in 2020, uh, that will be focused on leading culture change. I will actually interview Monica again about Oxfam's ongoing work on organizational culture, which it has embarked on in recent year after a difficult um, experience that involved allegations of sexual abuse and harassment, and which led to a longer-term exploration of Oxfam's culture, the strengths of its cultures, as well as aspects that may need to change. So as, we, as I talk today with Monica, I just want to tell you a quick personal story of how I became aware of and involved in the change management work of Oxfam. Um, I had been doing some other work on change management with other uh, peer NGOs for about um, uh, 15 years or so. I find it fascinating work. I have deep admiration for the people who need to design and shepherd and lead uh, this kind of change management process throughout the organization because it's incredibly complex work. Work. As part of this, I became involved as a consultant in some of uh, Oxfam's organizational learning about its precursor to its current large-scale Oxfam 2020 initiative. And I have been able to observe Monica as a change manager for about 10 years now. And I have been able to debrief with her along the way on what Monica has been learning as she deepened her skills as a change management lead. Monica is, um, before she joined uh, in the current role as in change management learning and change communication, she was also the head of Oxfam International's organizational effectiveness. Earlier on, I let me know, Monica, if I've got it wrong. Um, Monica was the deputy director for change management for the Oxfam 2020 process before that, and the head of change management at Oxfam Novib, which is the Dutch uh, affiliate of Oxfam. So we're talking, I think, at least 15 years, if not more, you tell me, of change management experience. Did I get that right, Monica? 
Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I must admit on these kind of things, I stopped counting the years. <laughs> I just, you know, I move from one thing to the other. And then uh, it's really like a journey where, you know, you don't count the days, but uh, you look where you're going instead of looking back. Uh, so oh, maybe maybe there is some, maybe you're already starting to download some some reflections. And, but let's first talk about what, what the heck are we actually talking about? Change management is such an abstract term for the average NGO leader or manager who um, might be listening into our podcast episode today. So tell me a little bit of what, about what components do you think change management typically consists of and what do you as a lead change manager do on a daily basis? What should people imagine? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And, and I must say, um, I... I struggle sometimes with the word change management because sometimes it assumes that you manage the change and that it is all controllable and I think that is not always the case it really depends on the situation and the type of change that you're involved in so mm. um, so it is a sort of yeah it's a word that people are using quite often but and it's it's yeah that's that's nice but um, yeah um, but sort of what do you do and and of course it, it really um, uh, depends on on the situation but um, I think the basic story is is as follows is that um, an organization has a mission a vision it's what it wants to achieve and um, uh, and that is driving a lot of the uh, of the daily uh, activities of the organization uh, and it's also what is driving people but it's really important to think how you organize uh, yourself in, in, in delivering that mission and vision. And sometimes when you change your strategy or when there are external situations like a changed financial situation or mm -hmm. a crisis or can be many different reasons, many different drivers for change, um, you, you think, hey, not only the strategy needs to uh, change, but also the way we are organized uh, needs to change, the how we are doing things. And of course, in the ideal world, the how, so the, how the organization is set up and, and functioning is closely related to the mission and vision. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes you see that these two and, and yeah, sort of uh, things need to change. Uh, and then, you know, you start working with change management. Um, so you start supporting that process of change and uh, reflecting with uh, people on how you can best organize uh, internally how you can increase, for instance, the legitimacy of the organization or how you create, uh, can strengthen the efficiency of the, and effectiveness of the organization or you, how you can best deal with a current a new setting where funding has changed so much that you need to uh, reorganize. So sometimes really bu ordinary budget cuts are a driver for change, mm -hmm. but sometimes it is much more change on strategy and you want to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So what I hear you say is that uh, when changes in strategy are needed, often they need to be accompanied by changes in either structures, which is actually, in my experience, what people most immediately think of. But you also emphasize changes in ways of working. So there could be changes in what business processes or systems uh, through which a staff and NGO work, right? Yep. Or changes in uh, the types of people one hires, or um, um, promotes, or wants to have more of, and perhaps sometimes changes in culture as well, which, as I said, we'll talk about separately. Is that? Yeah, yeah although for me, it, it is a critical element of, of change management, because that is the problem quite often. When 
uh, uh, leaders and, and managers think about change management, um, they overemphasize quite often mm. the structure side. You know, yeah. so it's the you know we need new, a new way of organizing our department, our organization, or the relationship between different parts of the organization. So quite easily people move to the structure side. Um, and um, so, and quite often if you, if you hear people, there's a problem in an organization, well, m- maybe we need a restructuring. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, that is not, you know, real uh, change, change management because it is very much also how do people behave? What are the informal rules in an organization? What matters, et cetera. So um, it's, it's the much more difficult part, uh, but it's, um, it is as important or even more important. Uh, but yeah, it's, more, it's less concrete sometimes for people. So Definitely. Yeah. And I could not agree more with you uh, because it's so important, uh, uh, the organizational culture, what is still supportive of new strategy and what needs to change as a result of new strategy and new external circumstances. Because it's so complex, I do want to get back to you on that in a, in a separate episode so that we can really unpack it. Because I think we both feel that it's very important, but there's also a fair amount of confusion about the topic, yeah. I would say. So if we artificially set aside changes in ways of working as in behaviors, habits, and cultures that are for the moment, um, what have you found Across your 15 years plus of experience in change management, what have you found most interesting, most rewarding about what I'll call the art and the science of change management? Hmm. Yeah. So um, what I find most uh, exciting um, is... Um, sort of, well, for instance, at, um, in, at the start of a, of a process, if you can really build a strong case for change so that the drivers for change um, are, are, are really clear and if they are accepted by staff. For me, that is a, a milestone moment um, and it's so important uh, that, to get that right so that people understand why change is needed. And, um, and, and it's so critical because what you see quite often is that people... If you don't do it well, that people are defensive because they have they interpret it as as if how they do it now is wrong, exactly. Which is not necessarily the case, but it is. It doesn't fit anymore for either for the new strategy or for the new context, or it was helpful in the past, but not now anymore. But I think it's really critical that people understand it um, and buy into that, mm-hmm. um, and and that's really critical. And what you see uh, quite often in that phase is that um, there's a certain small group of people, uh, the leaders of the change, although it can be, you know, you never know how change starts. Eh? Sometimes it starts because a, a group of staff is really pushing for it. And uh, in other moments, it is the leaders who really say, you know, we need to change or it's a mix. But um, what you see quite often is that there is a small group in, engaged and involved in the need for that change. And they are ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then think that if they explain once, you know, why we need to change, that then everyone gets it and, and, and accepts it and follows it. But it really needs time and a lot of attention and also a bit of uh, patience. Uh, patience in the sense of, yeah, repeating uh, why and, and, and going into conversations. And so if you have that right, um, I think then 
you know, uh, and the change is not that it's uh, sort of, it's not easy always, but I think it's really a critical phase. And if you get that, if you're sitting in a room with people and you hear that people are buying, that quite often change is also painful because it's about, you know, it's people losing jobs sometimes or having to change or whatever. But if that acceptance if that is there, mm. uh, I think that is that's really good. That's a, that's the thing that I really like. And what I also like is um, sort of there's the the hard hard part of change management, which is really about HR processes. Uh, you know, looking at new you know maybe people new roles need to be defined and all these kind of things. But what I like the most is the learning part of a, a change process because. I think you need a certain level of design in at, in the in the beginning of the change process, in the direction of where it's going. Sometimes, you know, quite specific decisions. But especially if you're working for larger organizations and in a complex setting like our sector, mm. then things don't always go exactly like you predict uh, in a in advance. And and the design on paper might be really nice, but. You know, things happen afterwards. People respond differently. Yeah, so it's 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 dynamic. So if you can in that in that next phase of the change, if you sort of get the space in the organization and people understand the importance of learning, um, that is also I, I find a very in, interesting uh, phase that I find find really exciting also. Um, if you sit together with people who are piloting so, some of the chains and you can sit together and exchange and say, hey, this is coming out. So this is different from how we had designed it, mm-hmm. uh, but we can adapt it, etc. I think that's also, um, yeah, I think really uh, inspiring. Mm, very interesting. Yeah. Um, I may get back to you if we have time at the end about, uh, so you emphasized very much the kind of how to build the um, the case for change, as you said, and the, the, the sense of urgency around that. Let's see if we uh, have time towards the end to come back to the, the change champions, which I would like to talk to you about. But let me first move to the kind of the mirror question to what I just asked you. And that is, there are also many things about change management, in my experience at least, that are incredibly complex and sometimes very difficult or trying or frustrating. Tell me your experience. What have you found most trying about change management as a, as a, as an, as a profession or as an act, as a role you play? Well, I think I already hinted to it a bit, um, sort of uh, change uh, also uh, sometimes comes with painful decisions mm. where uh, either organizations or people have to let go uh, sort of their own role or a whole uh, yeah, yeah, way of working that they, you know, have, have really, you know, invested in for years. And then, you know, you come with a process and say, well, thank you so much, but, you know, we don't need that anymore in the future or you have to change or, we don't know whether there's a role for you. And um, I think especially, I think that always is difficult in what ty- whatever type of organization. But in general, in organizations like in Oxfam, you have people, you know, who are really committed. They are not only working there because of their salary, but they are motivated to contribute to change. And they, yeah, so they are committed. And, and then it's really painful sometimes and difficult to say, uh, um yeah, that, that that people yeah that sort of t- take these kind of difficult decisions and um, yeah. and to inform people and 
yeah, so that is that is a difficult part. Um, and it requires really strong collaboration with HR, human resources. Mm. So for me, that is, if you look at critical success factors, mm-hmm. um, um, that is also one of the critical success factors. Really strong collaboration with uh, uh, the HR uh, team and, and people. And quite often you need also really additional capacity there because you know, uh, going through a process of change requires so much change at, at um, yeah, these kind of contracts, um, a selection process, uh, so, uh, or, yeah, sort of um, uh, conversations about people that have to leave. So, and it's so important for, for good change processes that that is done in a careful way, really valuing people, that people feel safe, that they know when things are done, uh, that it's done in a proper and transparent way, that there are checks and balances in the process. So the quality of the HR process is um, is really critical for, uh, it can make and break uh, a change process, I think. Mm-hmm. Let me follow up a little bit on that. Do you think that in addition to that, and I'm so glad you mentioned that, um, in addition to that really strong collaboration with HR, that you also need a really aligned official leaders, so those who have positional power, who will align with the change management effort in terms of how they communicate to those people who experience pain or grieving, let's say, as a result of the change uh, process that is taking place, so that you, uh, the, the persons involved here messaging and I don't mean this kind of from a PR perspective, but I hear messages that are sensitive in the same ways that HR is working with you. Yeah, that's that's extremely critical. Um, and um, so, uh, and you see in, in change processes that some people are really better in that than other people are. So mm-hmm. one is to have these kind of difficult conversations. Um, and, but also the ability to take difficult decisions, because what you also see is mm-hmm. that sometimes, especially when you, when, uh, um, for instance, the size of the of, of the team, you know, is is getting smaller, and and painful decisions have to be taken. That you see that sometimes you have managers who, yeah, find it difficult to to mm-hmm. say that someone who has been working uh, in in a job for twenty years. Uh, sort of then you have to say no you're not the, you know you can't stay anymore um so so then sometimes you see that yeah sort of the the message gets more blurry or yeah. or the wrong decisions are taken uh because of it's so it's too painful um so yeah it requires a lot of skills um from from managers and also yeah to, to sort of there in in a change process quite often there is a moment where um, you see there comes pushback from staff, you know, saying that this process is not fair or this is not. And of course, you know, you sometimes as a, as a leader, also you feel the pain and you want to support your people. So you can quite easily say, yeah, no, you know, the board of directors or the others uh, has sort of um, and, and, and yeah. It's, it's easy to then sort of also start complaining, but really standing then together and still listening because that is the art of, of doing the two, eh? sort of listening mm-hmm. to your stuff, acknowledging the pain and the frustration and, uh, 
and and also the uncertainty that sometimes there is, uh, mm. and at the same time, yeah, uh, yeah, daring to t- to take uh, difficult decisions. That's not that's not easy. Um, yeah. So yeah, so in in a, in a good when you have time in a change process, and that's all also not always the case. Yeah? So if you have sudden financial situations, you know, you have to rush more than if you know that the process is coming. Um, but then you d- you do a phased approach where you really work with leaders first. In support and support them in this process, and uh, and say you know what is important. Um, how can you have these conversations? Making sure that people really understand, you know, and own as much the change as uh, as the senior, the most senior leadership. So um, yeah, that's yeah. really important. Yeah, and that is why I have such admiration for people like you and other change managers uh, in, uh, especially in mid to large size complex NGOs, because it's it is incredibly complex. The 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 people aspect is very very complex, and then the power aspect is also very complex. And I'm not sure we'll get today to to the power aspects entirely, but um that's why i am so endlessly fascinating by this fa- mm. fascinated by this topic so as you know there are many kinds of frameworks and concepts and tools to help you as change manager and myself as a consultant to change managers um to think about and to design and execute change management processes so let me ask you which Frameworks or tools have you found most helpful in the Oxfam setting? Yeah, that's. Uh, or I, are I'm, there a none? <laughs> I, I that's that's quite interesting. So I am not. Um, so that, that's yeah. It's it's an interesting question because in a change process, sometimes we also work together with external advisors, etc. And um, and then you see people coming in with models and uh, uh, etc. And um, sort of, I, I read a lot, uh, uh, and and uh, and also engage with people externally, and sometimes do a training. But for me, I don't have one model or one mm-hmm. thing. So at the moment, for me, I think I I, I really um, read a lot about uh, um, um, the the consequences of complexity. Mm. So uh, so looking at an organization as a complex adaptive system. Uh, as a as an organic uh, uh, um, type of of organization, which is not where everything can be totally planned and controlled, but uh, it, which is developing much more. Uh, uh, yeah, it's more emerging change, um, but still, it can also be transformational. But where you don't exactly know, yeah, sort of how things will go because there's so many factors involved, so many things changing, so many interdependencies. Um, and in the end, it all—it's all about human. It's about people, and, and and people respond to whatever happens, and and you can't always predict all how people respond. So, so at the moment, I'm I'm reading a lot uh, on uh, about yeah, sort of the implications of complexity for leadership for change. Mm. Well, uh, maybe you can tell us. Uh, Tell us one author or one model or anything within complex adaptive systems thinking, which after us, is, it's so abstract, right? That's my difficulty with, with uh, that. It's, it's fairly abstract. Who do you find is thinking most uh, concretely in a helpful way in the NGO setting about that? Oh, well, well, there are really uh, uh, many. So you, can, you have much more uh, theoretical articles and you have very practical. Uh, so a few weeks back, a colleague and myself, we did a, a very simple brown bag uh, 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 lunch 
uh, about uh, mind traps of leaders uh, in dealing with uh, complexity uh, by Jennifer Barker. I think it's Jennifer Garvey Berger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, sorry, yes. sorry. I like her work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so concrete. Uh, it's really, you know, it's it's not very abstract, etc. Um, it's really about what are the mind traps um, so that you go, for instance, much too much into comply. Uh, so if, if there's a situation you think you can solve it with uh, rules and procedures uh, and, and insisting on delivery, etc., where, you know, in certain situations, that is, that is really important if you're in a in a very concrete situation when it is about your financing, your, your accounting and everything, you know, don't get then in, into complexity thinking because, you know, your figures in the end need to, you know, match, you know, so that's, that's add not, up. yeah, add up. So, so it's, um, but, but there, you know, many situations where, you know, uh, it's in the complexity domain where you can't predict everything. And uh, I think that is what Oxfam has learned also over the past two years, sort of with the, 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 what is called the, the safeguarding crisis, you know, who would ever have predicted that, mm. uh, you know, a situation in 2011 in Haiti would trigger sort of uh, one of the uh, largest crises in Oxfam. Uh, so, so the, yeah, things are, you know, especially with the, uh, a digital world uh, and, and, and with connectivity, uh, did, yeah, there, there's so much more that, that we can't predict. So you need more uh, ways of, of leading and managing uh, and in that accept and understand that complexity. Yeah. Got it. Well, so we'll put in the show notes for this episode, we'll put a connection to Jennifer uh, Garvey Berger's work and particularly her concept on mind traps, which I think is in, a, in, a, in her most recent book that I... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I also have uh, have had a look at. Um, so one thing that um, I find a number of change managers as well as change leaders have a harder time thinking about, which is the um, which is what sometimes is called the political frame. If I think about mm. uh, a couple of mm. authors, one of those sets of, of frameworks that I personally, as a, as a former academic and as a leadership trainer and as a consultant, uh, find helpful is by Bowman and Deal. And without going into a model now, I just want to highlight and see what, what you think about the political frame. So this is the idea that the organization, as it's going through change, or in fact, at all times, but also when it goes through change, is also a jungle where people fight for access to uh, the attention of senior leaders. They fight for budgets. They fight for positions, for campaigning positions, right? They sometimes have interpersonal rivalry, um, etc. So how do you as a change manager use the political frame at times in a way where it's not a dirty tactic? I certainly don't want to imply that. This is politics for the sake of accomplishing the mission and making sure that your change management process is not going to get scuttled because of political, with a small p, maneuvering by some other actors that are influential. How do you from a political frame, try to think and act in your change management role? Well, I think this is um, um, something which is extremely relevant for Oxfam. Um, 
because I think um, for, for different reasons. One is that um, I think the identity of Oxfam, the, the values and ways of working has strong political component. It is, it is um, a campaigning organization. It's an influencing organization. And you can imagine that, you know, the sk skills and the passion that that requires is not only used externally, but also nope. internally. Yeah. So I think that's something that, um, um, yeah, sort of, uh, yeah, it, it, it's part of Oxfam. And the other thing is that Oxfam is, and that's really also so critical to understand, is that Oxfam is a confederation mm. of 20 affiliates. So... Um, there is not one senior leader, nor a change director or change manager that sort of can um, sort of decide on anything and say, this is how things are going. It Absolutely. always needs the buy-in of, uh, uh, of, of the leaders. And yeah, these leaders are also, again, sort of then the, the positions they take are informed by, by all kinds of uh, political processes. Um, so, so this is um, yeah, one of the most uh, uh, challenging parts of a change process in an organization like Oxfam. Um, because sort of, uh, you know, if you, if you think about the change process as, as, a, as a phased process where you start with, you know, a first you know, agreeing on uh, the drivers for change. Why do we have to change? Uh, uh, what, what is the issue? Why are we changing? And then you go into a sort of designed process of where you want to go. And then you start implementing. You can imagine that in, you know, in that whole process, there is a lot of political negotiations take, mm. uh, taking place. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, from uh, implementation process, decisions are taken, which are political you know, probably the only way forward, but are not always the, the most efficient and, uh, and, and strategic decisions uh, for, from my perspective and for others. So that is a challenging and it is a challenge. And, and you know, uh, after an article from Duncan, T Duncan Green about how change happens externally, uh, um, he was, he was uh, calling it uh, dancing with the system. So it is sometimes what you have to do is to dance with the system. And that, yes, is sometimes you... You move a bit along and then, you know, you try to direct the dance into another direction, etc. Um, and, and yeah, that, that, is, that is challenging. And um, it, it is um, an additional complexity of the role of, of a change manager. Um, and it is um, a built, I think what really matters is um, uh, relationships. So um, knowing the right people. Um, internal communication is a really critical fat factor in that. Um, mm -hmm. And that is also changing. Um, so when we started the Oxfam 2020 change, we had, we had of course, internet and, and everything, but we didn't have a strong uh, internal um, uh, platform like uh, Facebook or Workplace. Now we have. So now people mm -hmm. across the confederation can input and, and influence uh, where uh, uh, that wasn't wasn't the case in the past. So, mm. so these kind of factors uh, mm. uh, can play a, an important role. So um, yeah, so 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 it is really challenging, and that is where I have learned. You know that so, you know you, you have almost like a toolkit of things that you can use to influence also in that process in that political process. And one, of course, is your your knowledge and experience about how change happens. Uh, sort of, so you can advise leaders on on how this happens. 
Uh, but the other is external people. Sometimes, you know, it's helpful to bring in uh, external expertise eh, to, to influence the, the process. Um, and the other is, and that's what I mentioned in the beginning, is, um, is learning. So, um, so what sometimes doesn't help is if I say, you know, I think this is how things should go. But if I facilitate a learning process where a number of people come together and together conclude yeah, that this is, you know, is what, what it needs to happen, then the likelihood that that will in, influence a political process um, is, 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 uh, is stronger. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, I do remember when I did that little bit of work with you all years ago around uh, single management system, the precursor to, to Oxygen 2020, that I did say in my presentation, I'm struck by how Oxygen is so articulate in how change happens, that whole approach, a way of thinking externally. And I references uh, Duncan Green's work then but I'm struck that you should really apply it a little bit more internally. And, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. and, and it sounds like, uh, like indeed that that has been happening. Yeah. Um, so maybe then uh, my last uh, question is um, talk to us a little bit about how you and your change management teams, how you go about learning in formal and informal ways. So learning about, uh, what's happening in the change process, what is more or less on track, even though you can't direct or control anything, where you need to ad adapt and be agile, where there are inflection points, etc. How do you go about that learning formally and informally so that it's not just in your head kind of tested knowledge, but it's actually something that can be shared with others and that can be documented in a certain way so that future change managers can also use it yeah yeah well i think that last is the uh, the documenting is um is, is one of the most difficult because quite often then we are already in a next process <laughs> so we move on and uh, and don't always take time to document well so that that is a challenge but i think um um again uh, it's important to uh, realize that oxfam is an organization if you think about we we have something like 100 locations because we work in 67 country program in countries um, we have 20 affiliates we have a number of advocacy officers so we have 100 locations so um, yeah to have that overview of what is happening and to learn from everything is mission impossible yeah but so you try to learn strategically by focusing on on a number of things so that can be sort of in a change process where you know quite often you start with pilot uh, uh, processes so you don't implement something everywhere at the same time um, so that can be you know in a region so what Oxfam did for instance with 2020 is we started in uh, uh, implementing the change in uh, Latin America and in the Pacific and in uh, Southern Africa. These are a bit smaller regions where with uh, smaller budgets. So there's a bit more as a safe space to pilot and to learn. Hmm. Um, and uh, so, so that is where we started with 2020. And then sort of you identify in these regions um, people, you know, change managers, uh, leaders that sort of are quite involved and you bring them together. So we had, for instance, in that process, we had, uh, we had uh, every two weeks a call with uh, change managers across the globe exchanging 
you know. Uh, so that was very informal le learning, uh, just, you know, every day on very practical things, but also sometimes more deeper. But we also did um, some, some, some more structured um, uh, learning. Uh, for instance, one that, that I always still like a lot is, um, so if we do a humanitarian response uh, in, uh, for instance, uh, Somalia or Yemen, um, we do um, a few weeks uh, after we started the response, we already do uh, a, a rapid learning uh, exercise because in humanitarian response is really critical to learn immediately because if you wait too long with with uh, e learning and evaluating mm -hmm. then sort of you know the response is done and and it's, yeah. that's not really helpful so we so, used that so met methodology mm -hmm. um we, we adapted it for the change and said we do the same nice uh, and and the and the methodology is also is not also having an external people a person coming in sorry uh, but it's also, you know, who are, you know, choosing, uh, for instance, 10 people and everyone is interviewing four people and bringing in all these interviews and then learning the lessons. So that was one way uh, of how we did it. Um, so you can do it fast. You and, and also by inviting 10 people to do the interviews, they are learning and they were sometimes they were change managers or they were HR people. So people that were already engaged somewhere somehow in change processes they were part of the of the of the learning process and so may i ask then so when you do these quick interviews in a kind of <clears throat> distributed way you all ask each other uh, a couple of similar questions so you yeah. can compare the answers and yeah. the questions are focused around uh, how did something happen and why did it happen and what worked and what not yeah, that yeah, type of question yeah, five, yeah, yeah okay yeah, and then yeah. and those are short interviews 15 20 minutes yeah, yeah. And then you everybody brings that into the call yeah yeah, yeah. nice yeah in the call and not only and uh, so we did also um sort of we brought it together and then uh you know one or two people did a, a more thorough analysis of all the answers and made a small report uh, with uh, also and then also with some concrete recommendations immediately because that is also the parallel with the humanitarian response you know, you don't do the lessons just for the lessons, but because you immediately want to implement. So these um, uh, uh, learning uh, reviews, um, yeah, ended with uh, very clear recommendations, uh, recommendations for different stakeholders, uh, because that is also one of the challenges when you work in on change in Oxfam is that you have so many different stakeholders. You have affiliates, mm -hmm. you have countries. Uh, you have oh, I, uh, you have humanitarian people, so you have so many uh, different uh, uh, stakeholders in such a process. So, you know, the recommendations were, yeah, for the different stakeholders uh, organized. So, um, yeah, and then we we brought that back uh, in different locations in the organization. So that was one way of doing. But we also did a more um, sort of where we uh, invited uh, around thirty people were really involved in the change for uh, one week uh, where we really with external facilitation uh, went through a learning process you know um, and 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 did a bit the same that we did with that short review but then going more deeper and uh, yeah okay okay very interesting i loved what you told me about the the rapid learning exercise because it also is consistent with what you talked about 
organizations going through change as being complex systems and there are a lot of feedback loops. And so you need to be very agile in capturing your observations on what's happening, what's working, what's not working. And then as you say, come out with a rapid, quick, a clear uh, recommendation so that people in the change have kind of a sense of how they want to move forward till you, till you reconvene. I love it. Well, Monica, you have such a, you truly have a wealth of knowledge about change management. So if people want to reach you after this, um, this, this episode, where, uh, how can they reach you? Should they look for you on on LinkedIn, on other channels, emails? Yeah, I'm uh, on LinkedIn. So, uh, that's, um, that's easy. And, um, yeah, they can also, uh, email me. Uh, so, um, I think you will put it, uh, under the, if that's okay with you, I'll yeah, put it yeah. in the show yeah. notes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for sharing a bit of your learning today with us about this immensely interesting, but very complex topic of change management in INGO settings. Um, and I will be sure to reach out to you again, um, later in 2020 to plan, as part of a series on organizational culture and culture change to talk with you once again. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and thank you also, uh, uh, because I think one way of learning has always been for me also talking with other people outside Oxfam to mm. reflect about what is happening internally. And, uh, and we have over the years had many different uh, conversations and, um, yeah, that was always for me a reflective moment and uh, to also bring critical thinking in or, yeah. So thank you for that too. Uh, oh, that's very kind of you. I have learned and you have learned. So that's, that's, that's a good thing. Till we talk again. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to NGO Soul and Strategy. If you want to learn more, have a look at my website, fiveoaksconsulting.org, where you will find posts on topics related to what we discussed today. That's five, as in the number five, oaksconsulting.org. You can also find free white papers there, recordings of interviews with me, as well as information about the upcoming book, Between Power and Irrelevance, The Future of Transnational NGOs, of which I'm a co-author and which will be published in June 2020. Or feel free to email me at tosca at fiveoaksconsulting.org and follow me on my social media channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And be sure to leave a review on iTunes or any of the places where you get your podcasts so that others can find it too. So until we talk again, this is Tosca at NGO Soul and Strategy the podcast for leaders who look change right in the eye.